on some West Coast today. But we're talking reparations. Look, all are welcome in the conversation. 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. That's the number to call. Carla called. And this is a conversation we've had before. We're, um, this is not the first time we're talking about reparations. We talk about it all the time. Uh, so folks are like, well, why this guest? Or why not that guest? Why not this person? Listen, uh, we've had a lot of folks on, and we will continue to have a lot of folks on. Anyone who's people who are doing work, people who are advancing the conversation, because this is important. Carla, you called in talking about this idea that if reparations is race-based, then it won't hold up in the Supreme Court. It won't pass uh, the uh, the legal tests to survive as a policy, right? Um, and I've heard that before, and to the the argument that people use is that's why they want to use lineage rather than race, which, you know, or that you have to, you know, you have to use a genealogist, you have to prove your connection to uh, enslaved African Americans or folks who were in this country facing the Jim Crow and other kinds of harm, um, you know, prior to, uh, you know, 1850 or, or earlier. Um, so, oh, oh, we lost Carla. Okay, I thought she was going to have a follow-up there. Um, but you were addressing her question around that. And, and Rashid, I wanted to let you land um, before we keep keep it moving. Oh, yeah. So to land is we understand that our lineage experienced harm based upon how we were raised classified. So even when you get into the concurrent opinion, you know, there was a few examples that were used that specified if the harm is the focus, the race becomes the backseat, right? So we're not looking at it as all, quote, Black people experience, you know, uh, 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 harm in America, so they deserve reparations. We're understanding specifically when we're looking at the unbroken chain of harm, we were utilizing the 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 FBI hate crime stats to specify that we are still overrepresented in that. And I can pull those individuals out to still showcase the unbroken chain of harm from a lineal perspective based around those who descend from chattel slavery. So I think a lot of people on some of these areas kind of focus on trying to find ways to trick out the federal government where we what we focus on is addressing it head on because we look at the policies the legislations and we look at the actual harms that we experienced and those harms were based on who we were they were lineage while well, lineage was given a term right that term was negro that term was freedmen and we were harmed still based on who we were so we could throw all of those names on a shirt as long as we're talking about the descendant community and defining them as the descendants of American chattel slavery. We are now within a lineage perspective, but we cannot not want to bring evidence that specifies that there are some issues and some uh, experiences that we went through based on race. Right. That's when you get into these civil rights, these enforcement acts. That's when you look at it and say race, color, creed, national origin, they or previous condition of servitude, right? They specify those things to hamper in that we needed those protections because we were attacked in those ways. Uh, Carla's back. Carla, you, you had, I was letting you do your follow-up um, piece to that that idea that um, even including race, even though the oppression or the policy of enslavement was uh, in the main based on race is a disqualifier from a legal perspective. 
Yes, at this point in time. And then, you know, Negro is the racial classification. And uh, Mr. Little John was talking about the black codes, the laws out uh, once or after uh, emancipation. And so uh, I'm under the understanding that H.R. 4328 is the law that Senator Ming brought in 2016 that was unanimously voted uh, to replace the term Negro with African American. And so I just get confused uh, why uh, Negro is the choice. Why wouldn't it be African American? And I, I still am taking the stance that um, uh, racial classifications or any type of racial um, term should not be used in, in our reparations at all because that's even going to include the, I mean, excuse me, that's going to include the immigrants that arrived here a month ago. Well, you know, and that and that's a whole other um, debate that happens all the time. And I, you know, I I believe that is one of the reasons why this, um, you know, anti-immigrant sentiment has become such a big uh, part piece for some folks inside a reparations movement, um, different various organizations. But the thing about it is, you're talking about, um, you know in the context of the United States of America, what, what is legal? And it, so if you say it's lineage and folks will say that's race. If you say it's based on certain terminology that can be race. I understand that's why I say people are saying you have to show direct, um, direct link to enslaved persons. This idea, you know, that we, have become camped up around uh, certain terminology because it's linked to certain uh, kinds of ideologies uh, is something I would love to see um, people move beyond, expand upon. I don't know. You know, um, I have someone here saying, uh, how can a Negro in the, born in the 20th century call themselves a freedman? Their ancestors may have been emancipated, but they were born free. Um, and then, then we'd have to define what free means. Um, here in California, you, ha- you have Senator Steve Bradford um, proposing a Freedmen's Bureau because, and, and that's one of the reasons you know we're ta- having this conversation right now because it's a matter of whether or not we were ever actually freed according to the criteria that was set forth at the time of mm-hmm. the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Rashid. I'll let yeah, you land and, again, and, 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 and yeah, and then and, and then we're going to keep it pushing. And, my, and 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 in the work that we do, right? Because we have to tie this to direct harm, right? We have to tie this because we're not suing, for, you know, the United States government because we found slavery to be unconstitutional, even though it quote was right. But this isn't a lawsuit against the United States government to say slavery was illegal and you need to pay us for that. This isn't taking the United States government to task for the hours that our ancestors worked in that unpaid labor, right? This is predicated around the failed promise of 40 acres and a mule, right? Especially field order 15, when you get into Dr. Cindy Garrity's work, that's the first thing he ties it into. And these continual movements around reparations, whether Charlie House, Queen Mother Moore. So we've understood when we do our data and research, we're just tying the terms Negro, because that's what you find when we look at the harms. When you go to the New York Times, you can type in Negro massacres and you will see a bunch of different massacres that show up. So 
So a lot of people have their own opinions based on the opinion of the justices around the affirmative action case when it comes to student enrollment in colleges. But we've seen a complete different understanding as it pertains to connecting the individual group to the harm. So we focus on the harm. And they just so happen to say no Negroes allowed. So do we need to become freedmen in order to get the legislation when the poly, when when the when we were affected because of what actually was written and and what was written was really no Negro allowed or covenant that specified no Negroes redlining not being able to get access to housing in a certain areas they literally put in those covenants the term Negro. So we're not here to name bang against anybody how they want to position themselves. We just collected evidence. And let's go to the evidence we collect. A lot of Negro there. Uh, let's go to Prime calling us from Nevada. Hi, Prime. Peace, oh, peace, New York. Peace, from peace, New York. Peace, sorry. Peace. Okay, from New York. New sorry. York City. Uh, Hello. Happy Freedman Friday. <laughs> happy Freedman Friday. So um, I just wanted to set the record straight and, and clear up a few things. Uh, Freedman is a legal status. It's a political status. It doesn't need to be attached to Negro. Um, the Constitution, and when we're talking about reparations and politics and things like that, we're talking about legal or legalities and law. And the Constitution is race neutral, which is why if we're talking about solutions, if we're talking about lobbying, if we're talking about advocacy, we have to go with the race neutral status, which is Freedmen, black codes did us no good. Negro codes did us no good. And um, the protections <clears throat> that was for the American freedmen was under the, the protection of the military. We, we, I've read the bloody shirt and Governor Perry, he was, he was concerned and he wanted us to be reclassified or, or, or classified as Negroes, but he didn't want any smoke with the freedman status because we were under the protection of the military. So I think the best way to go, if we're talking about reparations or any policy, is by way of our freedman status. It's not Negro. It's not black. Again, affirmative action is still in play for the American freedmen. We um, just can't use black and Negro. And, and mm. for the new Negro Republic, you have a 501c7, and that is a social heritage club. As I'm concerned, that work doesn't really fall in line with lobbying and, and, and policy and political advocacy. Prime, let me ask you a question about uh, what you just laid out. You said um, that uh, the Constitution is race neutral. Um, you meant, did you mean the con- Constitution is meant to be race neutral? I mean, because initially, if we're three-fifths of a person, um, that is a built-in non-neutral statement within the U.S. Constitution. Thank you. I appreciate that question. So there's a lot of misunderstandings with that. So the three-fifths compromise meant that out of 100 enslaved persons, 60 of those enslaved people will be counted as um, the population for the purpose of uh, House of Representatives. So it was a tactic used for the Southern politicians to increase their political representation in House of Representatives and in Congress. But it does just not like just like the Electoral College, like the Electoral College, like the filibuster tactics meant to 
minimize the impact of the number of enslaved black people uh, in, you know, throughout the southern states. You're saying it was a tactic meant to um, diminish the the um, the clout of of the black or enslaved um, persons or formerly enslaved persons throughout southern states. Yeah, I was I was saying that yes, it was used to increase the political representation of the Confederates in the House of Representatives and in Congress. So, but, it's, but, of, but how is that race neutral? I mean, representatives, if you include 60 out of the 100 enslaved people in Mississippi, that's three out of five, three-fifths compromise. Right. Now you have 60 more political Confederates in the House of Representatives. Does that make more sense? It, I just don't see it as a race neutral for whatever, you know, whatever um, way you're breaking it down. It's still not race neutral because those folks are counted based on who they are. Yeah, I can prove that the Constitution is neutral because there's no black or white in the Constitution. There's no black or white. So, so, is, so, so does that mean men. that slavery is race neutral? Well, slavery was unconstitutional, so no, that was not race neutral. And, and it, it goes along to my point that I'm making that <clears throat> according to the, uh, the Declaration of Independence and the 13th Amendment, it was created to abolish the unconstitutionality of slavery. So when we're talking about the solutions, which I, I would like to think that your, your YouTube channel is about, salute to you, um, we have to we have to frame it in a race neutral stance. We know that the harms were based on race, but that is the problem. The solution is by way of race neutral policy, colorblind policy that would be exclusively applied to the American freedmen. Negroes would include all people with brown skin and melanin. It is not specific. It is not exclusive to those who were owed the 40 acres and a mule. For example, for example, a Nigerian person who came 10 years ago was not owed the 40 acres and a mule. Congress did not make any congressional commitments to them in comparison to the congressional commitments that was made. I mean, I, under, I understand your, the distinction you're making. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's a core, you know, conversation that happens all the time on this show, on the, and on the internets and everywhere. But uh, part of the, I mean, so you're, you're, what you're doing is um, working on creating what you consider to be a race neutral category that also um, doesn't include people from the diaspora, even though, you know, I, I think, you know, Jamaicans should get reparations from Jamaica and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But the question is, is America capable of race neutrality? And I, I would argue no. Respectfully, I would have to disagree with that because I know that America is capable of doing it because myself, other organizations like the U.S. Freedmen Project, the United Sons and Daughters of Freedmen, we are very capable people and we are very dedicated to this sacred work of specific advocacy. I myself am and am and is an American Freedmen citizen. You are a citizen. And it's up to the people, that's also in the Constitution, to uphold the ideals and the principles that uh, this country is supposed Agreed. to be. Agreed. That's what true patriotism is, uh, in my view.
right? Upholding what we what we say we are, not not the reality of what's going on. So no argument there. Um, do you think that we're getting that we as people who are owed reparations, let me put it that way, are getting bogged down in camps and terminology and that perhaps that is that's waylaying us from, uh, you know, closing this deal? Absolutely not, because as you mentioned earlier, we're talking about legality and law. Right. And in legality and law, and just in English language or any language, terminology, words have meanings, and the specificity and the letter of the law and the spirit of the law is very, very important. So when it came to the spirit of the law for the 40 acres and a mule, they are very specific and exclusive to those who experience the harms that we're talking about. Appreciate the conversation, Prime. Uh, you want to, um, you know, share where you're doing your work. You want to share, um, you know, your website or whatever so folks can uh, follow, circle back with you. No problem. And I appreciate this great Friedman Friday. I appreciate you, Mr. Prima, and the conversation. So the work that I'm a part of and that we do is uh, we do specific advocacy for the American Freedmen, the U.S. Freedmen Project. Dot org. You can look that up. And also the United Sons and Daughters of Freedmen. These are organizations that was created to counter uh, other, I'll say, Confederate organizations like the Lost Cause Teachings, the, the United Confederacy people and people of that nature. So uh, we're here and we're here to fight back and we're not going to stop. Uh, I most definitely think that we as the people and as the citizenry, uh, the upstanding citizenry, especially the American freemen, it's our job to to guarantee and assure that we get what's owed to us, not just by way of reparations, but also by way of uh, all policies that should be specific to us, just like every other group does in this country. So thank you for the time, Mr. Primo. Appreciate the conversation. Uh, you know, it's a perfect time to call me, 800-920-1580. Rashid Littlejohn, thank you for hanging with us, and, and thank you for um, always uh, getting the conversation going. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's a valid conversation to have. You know, I have my uh, understanding. You know, I look at the scholars like Dr. Darity, who has the two-part eligibility, right, where you have to be of the lineage, but then you yourself have to identify as Black, Negro, African-American over the last 12 years. Uh, so I just pay attention to exactly what's going on. And uh, as the vice president of the Anti-Negro Defamation League, uh, uh, the work that we do is specific to the descendants of those enslaved in the United States. And, I mean, we, we, we collect evidence, we collect data, so uh, we don't necessarily have to push the term Negro because when you actually do history as it pertains to the repair that we are owed, it's all over it, right? Special Field Order 15, which is 40 acres in a mule, Negro is all over that. So we look at the harms and we look at the people group that is of that harm. And a Nigerian that came here 10 years ago is by definition not a Negro. He might be Black or African American, which is a different definition than the federal definition for Negro, but he's not that. But I don't want to bring online name-banging to a national syndicated radio station. Uh, we understand that we are the descendant community, 
And as long as we are able to trace our lineage back to those who were enslaved and emancipated, we will be though the group that qualifies for reparations and we could use every term to be able to do so. All right. Rashid Littlejohn, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, today and this conversation is continuing uh you you know you weigh in on this or whatever else has got you going if you want to find rashid uh, uh new negro republic.org or uh new negro on twitter you can find us at kbla 1580 all the places conversation continuing straight ahead on kbla talk 1580 say the quiet part out loud kbla talk 1580 Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. You guys trying to force me to read the chat on the air. Uh, you bring the chat to uh, the terrestrial radio space, 800-920-1580. Um, going right now to Molly Bell from the city of Compton. We're up against news, traffic, and sports, but she will continue on the other side. Go ahead, Molly Bell. Molly Bell, you there? You with me? Um, yes. Go yes. ahead, please. Reparations in memory of our ancestors, and I've always said that uh, since you met me, Dominique. I always begin wherever I'm calling in, uh, Mr. Peoples and others, we all agreed that we would begin with reparations in memory of our ancestors. And I, uh, <clears throat> and I know I was in the chat room maybe talking too much or, or venting, I don't know, but I apologize uh, to you or Dom. Or no apology Dom, necessary. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, what I want to say is that, first of all, uh, Rashid Littlejohn, I appreciate him being uh, on the air and bringing his position. But let me just say this first. What is reparation? Reparation is repair. That's number one. Number two, what is repair? Whatever it takes to make us whole. How do we know we're not whole? We know that in the Constitution, it does say that we are three-fifths of a person as it related to uh, being counted. So that's, that's a fraction. And uh, reparation, who should get reparation? Dobas, descendants of black African slaves. Descendants of black African slaves. I don't know where Negro land is, so I, I don't know where they were slaves. And our guest today, I wanted to ask him, has he read Dr. Joy DeGruy's book, Post-Traumatic Slavery Syndrome? Because she, when he says about immigrants could get in, Dr. DeGruy talks about how Africans were hunted like animals, captured, sold tortured, and raped. They, were, they faced the worst kind of physical, emotional, and spiritual abuse. And given such history, that's why we are traumatized. Okay, hold right. it right there, Molly Bell. We'll continue after news, traffic, and sports. The conversation, the conversation on reparations continues on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. At KBLA Talk 1580, we do more than just talk. You got a big mouth. Hello, Joe, you're up. Welcome. We're unapologetically progressive, and we don't black down. And neither do you, 800-920-1580. Molly Bell from the city of Compton said she doesn't know where uh, Negro land is. Uh, well, okay, 
I don't know where Black Land is either, or Freedman Land, or Doba Land, but uh, I know Reparation Land is about to be the USA. Uh, Molly Belt, go ahead. Uh, you were you were kind of responding to this whole Freedman Friday conversation. Yes, I, and I'm saying that if we're going to use titles, Dobas, descendant of Black African slaves. And so right in the middle of it, I have it as D-O-A-S. A stands for African. So we're talking about the slaves that were brought from Africa. So we're saying, and we know where they are because you go there on a regular basis and bring us back so much joy and make us so proud. So I know descendants of the people that came from that. So... Uh, I'm not, and, and, and like I said, for me, reparation, and you've known me a long, long time, Dominique, I am serious about it, and most Africans were separated from their families, stripped of their names and identity, beaten, raped, tortured, and many cases lynched or hung at the whim, just because white folks felt like it, because I call them white folks and or Caucasian, I don't know where Caucasian land is, but I know who white folks are, and I know the land that they come from, and they talk about that. I'm just saying that, and we registered all of this with the regi- with the Library of Congress and copyrighted when Mr. People was alive, myself, D. Taylor, and others, and so you can people can look it up in the Library of Congress. All I'm saying is that. Every different ones are going to fight for reparation different ways, and I'm not against anything that Rashid Littlejohn said or anything like that. But I'm saying that here in California, we've got to make a choice. We've got to stand on where we are. We've got to stand with those. I don't agree with all the reparation groups, but since they're talking about it, because California was never enslaved. California was never a slave state, and I get feedback from that. They ask me, why California want to get their money? They never had slaves, and we, di- and, and we didn't. California came in in 1850 as a free state, and so why do they get it? Because we are descendants of black African slaves, wherever we may be in the United States of America, because we're asking them for the money, and immigrants. They were not taken. They were not stolen. They were not uh, uh, brought here. They were not brought here as slaves. They came here on their own. Only other people, and we hear Fixico talk about it, who may be owed a form of reparation would be the indigenous people, and especially the black Indians. So that's all, that's all that I want. I wanted to say some more. I wanted to talk to Rasheed Littlejohn, but I'm just saying that We've got to stand with each other. There are so many who have fought Ogletree, the women of the reparations, Mr. Peoples, and so many more uh, who have fought for reparation. Let's stand up together. And when we have guests, some of the things I may not agree with him on, but on the things that I do agree, that's what I wanted to talk about, where we agreed. Because Dr. DeGruy says, not only were we slaves, but we need healing. We need healing. And to talk about it, and that's what therapy is about. Listen, all you prayer warriors out there, you know what you've got to do on this Freedman Friday. 
I have no problem saying that. You've got to keep fasting. You've got to keep praying because the struggle continues, but always to God be the glory. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you, Molly Bell. You're right. You have been saying it a long time. Uh, I have been talking to people like Molly Bell, uh, Dick Gregory, uh, Mr. Peoples, may he rest in peace, uh, about reparations since the 1990s. What I'm, the reason I'm so adamant that we captivate this and you know we can do negro tuesdays and doba wednesdays and you know uh uh it, well probably not no let me stop uh you know there's there in other words i'm about us understanding what what is being done who is doing it and how we can move this agenda forward that's what i'm interested in let's go down naheem calling us from georgia good morning or afternoon. Oh, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, my name is Naheem Wade. I am the CEO and co-founder of the United Sons and Daughters of Freedmen. Um, I was calling because I was I was uh, I heard earlier. I heard a bunch of things that were wrong by Rashid Littlejohn. Um, we we have some history, and most of what he said on on this show was false. And I was trying to see if I could set it up so that our national director of research and history can come on your show and give a better presentation about what it is to be a freedman and what reparations is about, right? Even the name of your show, Freedman Fridays, our organization back in 2020, we were the ones that resurrected that term. And so when you hear it, it goes back to a central source in today's day and times. Now, I don't say that to brag. I just say that to say mm -hmm. that there's a reason why your show is called Freedman Fridays, and it has something to do with those of us who some consider experts on on this topic. So I was just trying to see if, if there was a way that we could uh, possibly make uh, interview happened. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Naheem, I mean, after you finish talking today, we'll stay on hold, get your contact, and we'll make it happen. For me, that's the purpose of doing this. Um, and yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. in, in honoring the work that you do, you know, I, I, um, I try to draw it all the way back to the, to, you know, uh, our supposed um, emancipation and what we were supposed to mm -hmm. get and, and where we are now in relation to it. But to me, the most important thing for me in, in opening up this forum for Fridays is for all comers to get out here, tell us mm -hmm. what you're doing, tell us what you think is correct and, um, the you know, and, and foundational. So I am definitely here for that. I have zero problem with that. In fact, that is the whole point. Um, but when you say like what Rashid Littlejohn was saying is incorrect, do you mean, are you talking about factually incorrect? Or are you talking about you have yeah. a different outcome, a different solution, well, a different analysis mm -hmm. of those facts? Well, it's factually, we've had debates with this guy for the past, I don't know, year and a half, two years. So it's factually incorrect, right? Just small things. Uh, when he brings up special field order 15 and he speaks about remedy being in, in this field order. I mean, it was a field order that was issued by General Tecumseh Sherman. Right. It was not a piece of legislation. When you look at the legislation that creates the actual Bureau of, of Refugees, Freedmen, and Abandoned Lands, the name Negro is not mentioned. Charles Sumner, in 18, 1863, 1864, 
when given testimony to the American Freedmen's uh, Inquiry Commission, said they need this bureau not because they're Negroes, because Negro is a, is a slave badge, Negro, black, and color. These are slave badges. So Sumner said he, he eliminated race. He said they need this bureau not because they are Negroes, but because they are men who have been for generations despoiled their rights, despoiled meaning robbed, etc. So, you know, yeah, factually incorrect. There were things that he stated that were absolutely factually incorrect. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, understanding what you're saying, a field order is not a law, but a field order, shouldn't a field order be legally binding? Well, you gotta, you have to think, right? It was, it was during wartime, right. and so Winding there it were, down, yeah. there were, mm-hmm, there were forty acres, a, a forty acre allotments that were issued under under this field order. Andrew Johnson came in and reverses; he he eliminates, I should say, right. or terminates this field order. But the radical Republicans of that day, they drafted up a piece of legislation called HR twenty nine which then would have given the 40 acres to all freedmen, not just those who fought in the war or, or you know, were, were affected by the war. And I, and I say that to say there's, like, contextual layers to this whole conversation that Mr. Little John knows nothing about. He hears our talking points and then comes back and then tries to repeat them and mix them up with his push for uh, racial reparations, and you you can't get reparations based on race. It's just not going to happen. And to your point about Freedman land, Freedman is a political status. It is a legal status. And this was one of the things that Clarence Thomas eloquently broke down in his concurring opinion in the case with the Students of Fair Missions versus the University of North Carolina and Harvard. You know, there's there's pieces to the conversation that's missing. And what we're saying is we, you know, we don't call ourselves experts. Some people call us experts. We would just like to have a a real fair and honest conversation about this topic. And I believe not only yourself, but your guests will come away with a better understanding. You're in Lamert Park Broadcasting. I was just in Lamert Park. Last month, they had a whole concert in Lamert Park. The game was there. We always have a whole uh, concert over here <laughs> okay, on any see, given weekend. But it was, so but it was centered around reparation. <laughs> right, no, right, right. Look, Understood. Around, Understood. Uh, yeah, this is probably one of the reparation, uh, you know, hotbeds. Um, you know, and, and, and I think you're right. The key has to be about an honest and uh, honest and fact-based conversation in which you know, all of the voices and perspectives are welcome because to me, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is how we move the ball. I am so encouraged despite all the fighting that I see, you know, online and, you know, uh, people's inter, in, in, inter-organization disagreements. Um, and despite the fact that I do believe there are plants and trolls in the movement that don't even care about reparations or opportunists. I'm so encouraged by the momentum, by the level of education that you and others are bringing to the table so that this goes beyond a fantasy or a general conversation into how do we get it done and what will it take for it to withstand all the challenges, which we already see um, on the road uh, lining up. 
uh, before us. So I, I appreciate the call and please do not hang up. Uh, we're continuing the conversation straight ahead on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Brought to you by... We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, Naheem is on the phone. He's calling from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Well, maybe not Atlanta. He just said Georgia. Um, but I want to go ahead and let you land, Naheem, and we will continue the conversation um, on another Friday for sure, uh, including, you know, you and I can get into it about, uh, I, I didn't realize you were the same guy that I met before. Uh, we can get into it about, uh, you know, what we need to get into it about regarding reparation, but go ahead and land for me. And it's not too late to call. Um, if you want to join the conversation, 800-920-1580, Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just end with this. There's a reparations movement that's happening across this country. A lot of the people that you've seen in the chat, they're not a part of the same organization but they are a part of a the collective grassroots reparationist movement. And when they hear certain individuals that we view as mere trolls and obstructionists speaking on the topic with the purposes of derailing it, then you're going to see that, you know, flood your, your comment section or, or your live chat during, during the discourse. Um, please visit our website, usadof.org if you would like to learn more about some of the reparations organizations like ours, which is the United Sons and Daughters of Freedmen. And um, I look forward to having a, a future conversation with you, debate, whatever, on, on the topic of, of reparations. Yeah, maybe maybe both. I mean, I'm, I'm here for, for both of those. Um, for me, it's about us utilizing our gray matter, putting our mental physical, spiritual energy towards moving this issue forward. Um, and I feel like we are making progress despite the divisions, despite varying analysis, despite a lack of, uh, of education, which I believe um, people with different um, organizations are helping to move the ball forward in terms of people, not only understanding that this must happen, uh, and that it should happen, but how it can happen. Uh, Naheem, appreciate the conversation. Going to Ian calling from, Ian, where are you calling from? Um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Can you hear me? Yes. I do hear you, yes. Okay, cool. You're on the radio um, right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. You know, you know, and I wanted to speak on the side of uh, Freeman, because you said Freeman Friday, so I assume, you know, people are educated on what Freeman means, and I think when we're having these discussions, the problem is, is that people are not fully educated on the difference between freedmen and other terms. Freedmen is essentially a status. It's not about a, a name. It's not about uh, a, des uh, a so-called uh, racial designation. It's about a status. Because as you understand, with all the other groups, uh, immigrants and, and uh, different nationalities, you know, these are statuses. Nationality is status. Your, your immigrant uh, place is a status. You know, they don't care about what your ethnicity is, what your race is. 
They're looking at the status. You are an immigrant. Who's the they that you're referring to? Right the now? government. Oh, the I got gotcha. you. Okay, the, the government. government. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're, we're looking to get these reparations from. So, so, so I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm on point with understanding it's, 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 no, it's no, uh, uh, no confusion when you understand that freedmen is a status. You were slaves. Now you're free, right? And that only happened to a certain group of people. But other people who coming in with were talking about race understand that moves the conversation away from status, and that's not where we want to go. If you understand when they when they when they struck down when they struck down uh, affirmative actions within the school in terms of uh, race based conscious, we, we know that uh, affirmative action had already been struck down when the when the when the white girl had had sued to get into uh, to law school, right? So affirmative action had already been struck down in that sense. And then it was a race-based conscious. So it just so happened that it came up that uh, Justice Thomas spoke about how Friedman was a neutral term. It was a race-neutral term yeah, well, based on a status. I mean, you're the second so, person so, that brought that up today. So you, you truly think that someone, that's a great example, like a Justice mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas, who has mm-hmm. consistently stood um, on the side of, of abolishing anything that would, um, that would further the progress of formerly enslaved people. You think that because the term changes, he, his view will change and he would support reparations? Well, it's, well it's, it's, but see, here's the thing. We're not looking to go to the Supreme Court for reparations. Right. Well, you, well, you may not so, have any, so cho- we might not have any choice, but I'm just asking more about a mindset than the Supreme Court as a body. Because, you know, you're, you're talking about this idea, you know, and, and, and one of the things I'm, you know, in the more modern era of reparation, uh, your era of reparation struggle, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, intensity around, you know, who's using what term. And so I'm wondering if, mm-hmm. if that's the reason why. Is it because you think, okay, we, you, you, you give a, a Clarence Thomas or someone else who's in a position to shut down reparation, uh, a race-neutral term, and they will um, embrace it? Well, I mean, it's, it's not about being a brace. What I'm saying is when you, when you put that together, it's not, just, it's not about whether or not you're Republican or conservative. It's just using your common sense. What he laid out in terms of our understanding, and it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him that, that recognized Friedman as a, as a, as a race-neutral term. It was, it was other justices as well. I'm just saying everybody knows it's a race-neutral uh, term. Everybody knows that. That's not, that's not even up for the debate. Just because he said it, we can't just get out of our minds. Right. No, no. And not, but and, my and, question and, and has to do with, logically. does that move the ball? In your opinion, does that take someone who um, it seems to be hell-bent against any kind of, uh, you know, level playing field for black well, you, folks talking, and make them and personal. give them and give them a legal or other kind of um, impetus to now support reparations? Well, you keep saying him personally. Again, he is not the only one that talked about freedom. I'm just, I just used him. Well, no, I'm he, using he him too. The, 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 right. Yeah, I said him or others. Analysis. I said him or others. Okay, yeah. So, I, so I'm trying to, yeah, I'm okay. trying to, because we, we said we were talking about right solutions, moving the ball. So does that move the ball? Do you sincerely think people say, okay, that's neutral. So now I'll race I mean, neutral. Course, so I'll support of it. it. Of course it moves the ball because there's already a federal structure in place in terms of, in terms of the the uh, the Freedmen Bureau, there's already a structure in place for that. 
What, what, I mean, when people are thinking about this, why don't we use our common sense? If there's already the structure in place that recognizes us, right, why will we not move the ball going through an apparatus that's already in place? Why do we have to invent the wheel and then go back with this? That with was this, in uh, place, with this, right. With these racial conscious terms. Right, which was in place. Okay, well, you know what? This is a conversation that is ongoing, so I hope you'll call again and we'll continue uh, to, to build. Okay, yes, I will, definitely. Thank you very much. All right, appreciate you uh, getting on the mic. Folks, step up if you got something to say. That's what KBLA is here for, specifically for that, uh, to provide that space that are, is not being provided elsewhere. Agree, disagree, build right? Build. I'm Dominique DePrima. I do this every day from 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, and I appreciate you keeping the conversation going on social media, KBLA 1580 or me, Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then radio. History is now and we are making it together. Tavis Smiley is up next. Until Monday, one love.